listening to the Pro Bono Happy Hour. I'm Rena Glazer. Welcome back. A few quick notes before we get to today's episode. First, an enthusiastic thank you to you, our listeners. We've now surpassed the 30-episode mark. We are extremely grateful for your continued support. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, feedback, and suggestions to probono at probonoinst.org. Be warned, we might just read them on the air. Wouldn't you like to be featured on our next mailbag? Today's guest is Spencer Cantrell, Legal Access Coordinator at Jakeda, the Jewish Coalition Against Domestic Abuse. We're taking a slight detour from our usual focus on law firm pro bono to speak to a member of the public interest community and highlight an area that is screaming out for pro bono assistance. Law firm pro bono could not exist without our public interest and legal services partners who toil in the trenches for access to justice every day. We depend on their expertise, training, and mentoring to make our pro bono work possible. We know that issues surrounding domestic and dating abuse can be sensitive and difficult. Our goal today is to inspire pro bono lawyers and other legal professionals to get involved. If this topic touches a nerve for you, we understand. Take the week off or spend the time catching up on an episode that you may have missed. If you are currently experiencing abuse, there are resources and help available to you. Nationwide, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. In the Washington, D.C. area, please call Jakeda. Their confidential helpline is 1-877-88-JCADA. That's 1-877-885-2232. You are not alone. Help is available. And now, on with the show. Spencer Cantrell, welcome to the Pro Bono Happy Hour. Thanks so much for making time for us. Hi, Rena. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to, to chat with you and talk more about the work Jakeda does. That's wonderful. Um, Spencer, could you tell us about your background and your journey to Jakeda? Sure, Rena. So I grew up in Savannah, Georgia, and went to college at the University of South Carolina, where I majored in women's studies. Um, so even in college, I think I knew I was destined for this kind of work, um, was really passionate about women's issues. After college, I worked for a year in Hong Kong with migrant domestic workers from the Philippines and Indonesia, um, and it was just such an amazing formative year working with with um, with women who were abused by their employers and helping them file labor claims, file reports with the police. Um, my my first client I met there had taken too long to walk the dog, and so her employer ironed her face, hands, and buttocks. Um, It was really sad, but she made the most of her time in the women's shelter I worked at and ended up um, filing uh, criminal charges against her employer. The employer ended up paying fine, and, and she was able to take that money back to the Philippines and pay for her children's education. Um... And that client was just her her story. It sticks with me and is a reminder of 
you know, we're all working in this together. Um, so I got back from Hong Kong and immediately started law school um, at George Mason in the D.C. area. Um, and then my first internship in law school was at D.C. Safe Survivors and Advocates for Empowerment. So helping clients in the District of Columbia file for civil protection orders. And then from there, I interned at Break the Cycle. And after that, I started working at Legal Momentum, where I did legal research and helped um, my, the staff attorneys create curriculum for judges on issues of sexual assault. And then after law school, I worked at the National Immigrant Women's Advocacy Project, which does judicial education and policy at the intersection of immigration and gender-based violence. And then I came to Jakarta. So um, my past several jobs and internships have all been really related to the work I'm doing now. So two themes that we hear commonly, right? People pursuing their passions and early experiences being quite formative. So whether they're internships, gap years, things people uh, have experienced in their past, they leverage um, for, for future careers. That's a, a, a common theme and very exciting. So we've, we've danced around this a little bit, but what is Jakeda? <laughs> Can you tell us about who you are and what you do? Yes. So Jakeda is the Jewish Coalition Against Domestic Abuse. So we assist survivors of domestic abuse in the greater Washington area. We're, we're located in Montgomery County. Um, we also have a clinician that, that centers out to Northern Virginia once a week. And then we'll, we'll see clients all over the DMV. But uh, our mission is to support, educate, and prevent. So support victims of domestic abuse and their children to become empowered and obtain safe living environments educate community professionals and lay leaders about domestic abuse and prevent future generations from supporting, from suffering domestic abuse. So um, I would say my job mostly falls into the support area, but I definitely also work in the, the education and prevention arenas as well. Um, yeah. But before we drill down into the legal arena, which we're going to turn to next. Could you talk a little bit about the education? I I find fascinating, and I think Jakeda is such a pioneer with outreach to younger generations. I think when we think about breaking the cycle, how do we do that? It's prevention, right? And how we educate and bring up future generations. And I think those programs are, are just super cool. Could you just speak a minute about, about some of the programs for particularly youth? Yes. So Jakeda has uh, what we call the AWARE program. So um, as a part of the AWARE program is preventing um, future generations from suffering abuse by raising awareness and educating youth and young adults about healthy friendships and, and healthy relationships. So healthy friendships um, is for, I believe, sixth and seventh graders. And It's Not Love is for 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th graders. Um, and their curriculum designed to, to go beyond the anti-bullying, but to think about what makes a good friend. What, is, what does it mean to be an upstander? What does it mean to be in a healthy relationship? What do you do if you're not in a healthy relationship? What do you do if someone else you know isn't in a healthy relationship? What are some of the warning signs? 
and really empowering youth, teens, young adults to to stand up for themselves and their their friends and family and help them break the cycle of abuse. I really wish we had that when I was growing and up. <laughs> so I do useful. too. It would have been so helpful for me as a middle schooler to really think about these things. And we we do those programs um, all over all over the county and beyond at school. So if if any of the listeners are interested in bringing it to their children's school, please reach out. We would love to connect you. Yeah, really pioneering and and so great. So Spencer, you're the legal access coordinator. How do you spend your time? Yeah, so I would say that half my time is is spent helping clients and the other half of my time is spent developing the program and other duties as assigned, as we like to say. Helping clients means uh, I don't necess- I don't provide clients with legal advice, but I provide clients with legal information and referrals. So what that means is when a client is coming to Jakita for counseling services, oftentimes they'll have a, a legal question or be contemplating divorce or separation. And so their clinician will pull me in and I can chat with the client a little bit, give them some basic information, and then if they're ready for the next step, refer them to an attorney, oftentimes for a free consultation. Um, we like to really meet the clients where they are. So if a client just wants to get a little bit of information and and just know how long do you have to be separated to get divorced, we can we can help them answer that question. And if they want to delve deeper, then I provide those referrals. Um, so that's half my time is the direct services with the clients. I also will work together with uh, the clients and an attorney they've already hired, as well as their clinician to kind of streamline their services. So let's say we have a client who has already filed for divorce and has to tell her children that they're going to be moving out part-time to live with her in a separate home. Well, there are things that she needs to do legally, and there are things that she can do uh, clinically to help her prepare herself for that conversation with her children. So making sure that that all of the advice is streamlined and a coordinated effort. Because one of the hallmarks of your work is really providing holistic services to the clients. And I think that's touching yeah. on that a bit, right? That's sort of legal with clinical, with other support. And that is definitely a best practice, I think, that, that we advocate when we're trying to think about effective provision of of pro bono services, that we're treating whole people and that their issues and needs aren't so um, compartmentalized. For sure. I mean, we're working with survivors of abuse. These are people with jobs and families, and they're going through a really difficult time in their lives. I mean, they've been going through a really difficult time in their life for 40 years being in this abusive relationship. And so we really like to treat the person as a whole person and and recognize that helping them deal with their anxiety and, and manage that isn't enough if, you know, they're going to court. Like, that's a very anxiety-provoking experience. So what can we do to really treat the person as a whole and holistically and, and meet as many of their needs as possible? 
So let's let's pivot a little bit since many of our listeners are not in the greater Washington area to, to talk more broadly about why and ways that pro bono lawyers could get involved and be of service to survivors of dating and domestic abuse. And I, I guess I'd like to say a word about words first, and that's the term survivor. Um, do you have a, a term that you prefer, survivor, victim? I know if we had an individual person, we would, we would ask them. <laughs> but in a general sense, is there sort of favored terminology that, that you recommend? At Advocato, we use survivor in, in recognition of, of all that our clients have not only gone through, but, but overcome just by reaching out for counseling and, and talking things over. I think they're survivors. Um, but again, whatever a client chooses to go to by, we fully support. So today, in the general sense, we'll try and use Survivor. <laughs> um, so good. It's, a, it's a crowded marketplace of volunteer opportunities for pro bono lawyers. So why domestic violence? So I know this could be said for a lot of legal needs, but there is a real need for survivors of domestic abuse to have representation. Um, families are, are messy and Oftentimes, there has been so much power and control over the course of an abusive relationship that the survivor feels very isolated. Uh, abusers go out of their way frequently, oftentimes, to isolate survivors from their their friends and family. And so, an attorney can be a, a real a real lifeline um, out of that relationship. And Oftentimes, survivors have been so belittled and demeaned for years and years that it's hard for survivors of domestic abuse to stand up for themselves in court and and recognize that there has been abuse and, and speak up for themselves. And so I think attorneys really help lend our clients a voice when they might otherwise be silenced. So I think that's really, really um one thing. I also think that a lot of attorneys might themselves feel called to this part, like we were talking about at the beginning. I was on the phone with a telephone company a couple of weeks ago trying to deal with a, a cyber stalking issue. And the the gentleman I was speaking with on the phone said, I'm speaking on behalf of myself, not my company, but thank you so much for the work you're doing. My mom was a survivor, and so I know how much this means. And that was really touching, and it was just a little reminder for me that this affects a lot of people. And so I think some attorneys might feel personally personally called to this. The other thing I want to say is that helping a survivor of abuse is, is an opportunity to, to make an impact that will last generations. Domestic abuse negatively affects children. It can affect their grades. It can affect their own emotional health and well-being. And we we do a lot of work with survivor for the children of survivors of abuse to help them understand what healthy relationships look like, so they can avoid mimicking their parents' behavior. And so I think that representing a survivor in a domestic abuse case is a real way to make a long-term impact, not just in the life of the survivor, but in the life of the entire family and, and change a trajectory. 
Yeah, that gets us back to the theme of breaking the cycle. And I love the image of being a voice for the voiceless. Two other motivators I wanted to point out. One is your website. The new website is amazing. Listeners should go. And there is a video on the homepage. Watch it. It's really powerful. And if you're wondering whether you can make a difference in this area, um, it'll get you. So it's great. Um, Another amazing motivator actually is a documentary. We showed it to our summer interns here at PBI. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, Spencer. It's called Crime After Crime. Do you know that? That is a great documentary. Yeah. Yeah. It came out in 2011. Um, It's it's. A lot of what we're talking about and the sort of pervasive damage of domestic abuse. And this is an interlay with the criminal justice system, so it's super timely. It's now available streaming, Netflix, Amazon. I I really recommend it. It's a tough watch, but it's a great watch, and it will really motivate you to make a difference. Um, Yeah, that's great. That that kind of just reminds me, too, that... You know, in the in the news lately, there have been a lot of a lot of shootings, unfortunately, and a lot of the shooters have had a history of domestic violence, um, like the the shooter in Orlando. I think I think one of the biggest um, predictors of whether or not someone would shoot a law enforcement officer is if they've committed domestic violence in the past. And so, again, it's it's not just breaking the trajectory for a family, but this has huge societal impacts. Yeah, that's a great rip from the headlines um, tie-in. And I should say Crime After Crime follows two young pro bono lawyers who are, you know, working on this journey. So that's also another tie-in, you know, spot on to what we're talking about today. Spencer, could you touch on the range of pro bono options? What types of projects and matters are available to um, and in need for, you know, pro bono assistance? Right. Well, I will say that one of the things that surprised me most when I started at Takeda is the broad range of legal issues that our clients experience. In addition to the family family law that you would expect in the protective orders, we also deal with a lot of estate planning, traffic, immigration, civil and criminal contempt, criminal law, bankruptcy, tax, disability. It's it's business law. Um, it's amazing the the broad range of issues that that come up for a survivor. So the first thing is that almost no matter what your expertise is, um, there's probably a legal area that you are familiar with where you could help our clients. Uh, the other thing I want to say is that there are a lot of different ways to be involved and help our clients. Sometimes just being willing to meet with a client for an hour or two and, and discuss her options in a very concrete uh, manner is, is all that a client wants or needs at that point in time. Information is power. And so just letting a client know what her, her legal options are can be very empowering. Um, a lot of times, the the client might not even need representation, but just some information or a letter from an attorney. I, I know I had one client who w- was legally entitled to break her lease because of domestic violence, and her landlord wasn't going to let her do it. And one strongly worded letter from an attorney, and that quickly changed. So just being willing to write that letter and, and sign your name to it 
uh, can go a long way to support support a survivor. Um, so yeah, some of these cases are litigated. Some are are, are not. Just depends on the issue and the client. Um, and and some are are you know just a couple of hours and you're and you're done, and then some of these these legal issues our clients face can can go on for for years, litigating child custody and child support, for example. But but sometimes they're much more constrained. I think the range is important for people to understand that there are time limited options available. Not everything is a full scope representation that's going to take a long time or last a long time. And I think the other interesting point is sometimes we think, wow, domestic violence, it's all orders of protection, right? Or it's all court-based activities, where, as you mentioned, there's a whole range of legal needs. Um, And so a whole range of, of pro bono lawyers could get involved because there are a lot of options for participation and for providing meaningful assistance. What types of support do Jakeda and other organizations provide to their pro bono lawyers, most of whom may not have direct background and experience in these areas? So things like training, networking, support, other types of resources? Right. So we've provided a trauma-informed training for, for some members of the attorney network who are interested. I think this is really, really valuable. Um, to be honest, sometimes our clients can be a little difficult and and might seem indecisive to their attorneys or or might have trouble recalling things, and that's oftentimes a result of the severe trauma they've experienced. And so, having a trauma informed training is is something that we really think is an asset to attorneys, not just in helping our clients, but even in their general practice. Uh, we also have a, a bi-monthly attorney network newsletter that provides some some tips and legal updates and other information for attorneys. And then on September 22nd, we have our attorney network friend raiser. So this is a, a networking event and then happy hour um, for folks to get to know other interested attorneys who are doing pro bono work and networking. Um, the other thing is, as the legal access coordinator here at Jakeda, I'm always available for members of our attorney network to chat with me and, and offer a little bit more of that, that trauma-informed piece and, and also to liaison with clinicians. So again, we can provide holistic representation for our clients. Um, yeah, so in, if, if attorneys need anything else, I'm, I'm always game to try to do whatever we can to best assist the client. Since you mentioned trauma, and these are clearly emotionally challenging matters, how do you and your colleagues avoid burnout and compassion fatigue? Just think day in, day out, this is hard stuff to be dealing with. Right. Um, So my office is a great place to work because they really recognize how easy it would be to burn out. We actually had an in-service training uh, about a month ago about avoiding uh, avoiding burnout, and it was great to really acknowledge that. Um, in addition to that, every Thursday we have chat and chocolate, which is 20 minutes 
set aside for us to not talk about work and just relax and and enjoy chocolate and get to know each other on a little bit more of a personal level. And that's a great break to take us out of the zone of, of thinking about trauma. Um, and then most Fridays, we offer yoga for both our staff and clients. And I think this is a great model to practice what we preach. So by doing yoga, we're, we're practicing mindfulness and really mediating our own stress. And then when we suggest yoga to our clients or, or meditation or other things to help um, dealing with stress and anxiety, we, we can really back it up ourselves. I think those are great models and those are great tips. And those are things that we've been thinking about a lot here at PBI in the way that we take care of the general pro bono community, you know, when we're asking lawyers to get out of their comfort zones <laughs> and work on right. some emotionally charged work, right? Whether it's representing survivors of trafficking and domestic violence and asylum seekers, people on death row, this is hard emotional stuff. And we haven't always as a community provided the care and the emotional support that goes along with it. We're, we're very concerned about doctrinal learning, right? And whether we've crossed our right. T's and dotted our I's and have gotten the substantive and procedural law correct. But we're really focusing more now on the whole person, the whole volunteer, right? And, and, and self-care and dealing with things that are just difficult for us, triggered for whatever reason. And it's hard to be a great professional if we're not taking care of ourselves. And so things like um, chat and chocolates, like um, office hours where people can come and just chat and share, having pro bono practice groups at firms where all the lawyers across the firm who are working on domestic violence matters, wherever you are, wherever your office is, could have a lunch, you know, have a brown bag lunch and talk about this is what happened with my client last week. This was a story I heard and this was hard. And just sharing it is very cathartic. You know, talk therapy is, exists for a reason. And so utilizing all the tools in our toolbox to take care of our clients, but also our pro bono lawyers and professional staff is, is an important um, priority. For sure. And, and members of the attorney network will sometimes call me a little bit to vent and say, I don't understand why yep. why the client is doing this. Yep. And I can I can tell them I think that might be a result of the trauma and I understand how frustrating that is. because um, a lot of times these attorneys are doing this this pro bono. They they can't go to the other people in their firm who aren't as familiar with these issues. So I'm I'm always more than happy to talk to other practitioners and empathize a little because it's tough work yeah it's like super you said. it's really useful and it's always useful to get some strategies right here, here are a couple right. things you might try ah I didn't think about it that way that's that's really useful and it's useful in a lot of contexts could you share one or, or more if you'd like meaningful or success stories yeah so I think one of my my favorite stories I've had since I started at Jakarta was um, a client. I'm gonna call her Lauren, not her real name, but just for the sake of storytelling. So Lauren was um, a, a local college student who was attacked by a classmate. Um, the classmate thought they were they were dating. Um, 
they were not. So after she was attacked, um, Lauren was able to receive a peace order. Um, and after she received the peace order, one of her professors referred her to Jakeda for counseling. But um, unfortunately, like, her legal issues had just begun. Even though she had the peace order, there were still a lot of things um, legally that had to be dealt with. So there was a criminal case against a classmate for assaulting her. Um, one of our clinicians helped her write her victim impact statement. Um, her her family um, is made up of immigrants, and so they had some difficulty understanding why the criminal system was working the way it did. And so I was able to talk with her and her family and help help them understand that a little bit. Uh, when the classmate violated the peace order, we helped her her navigate the criminal justice system so she could file contempt charges. We created an emotional and physical safety plan for when she had to go to court repeatedly to confront the abuser. Um, and and myself and one of the clinicians both accompanied her to court for the various hearings she had. Um, we helped her apply apply for crime victims compensation for reimbursement for medical expenses she had. Um, she failed a class because she had to keep going to school, uh, to keep going to court and missing class. So we told her that under Title IX, there might be some relief and she was allowed to just retake the final exam at, at no cost. And then this is the client I mentioned earlier who wanted to break her lease and the landlord wasn't going to let her. And so a strongly worded letter from an attorney was was all it took for her to break her lease and move somewhere that she felt much safer. So I, I really I I really like the story because one it, it has a happy ending. Um the abuser ended up going to jail. Uh where hopefully um he will get the mental health help he needs. Um but also I think it just exemplifies like the broad range of legal issues that our clients face. And she already had the peace order when she came to us, but there were still so many issues and barriers she was facing. And so I'm really glad we were able to help her. So as we wind down, could you leave us with one or a few concrete takeaways that would be helpful for potential pro bono lawyers to know? Sure. Um, I would say that that one, we really, really need your help. So please come and join us here at Jakeda. Um, two, I think that, that learning about trauma and, and the way it can impact clients can be effective in dealing with a broad range of, of clients that you might have. And, and trauma can surface in many different ways and take on many different forms. And so I think that the training we provide, if you're willing to take pro bono cases or, or become a member of our attorney network can be very beneficial for you professionally overall. Um, and that if, if you're doing this pro bono work at Jakeda or anywhere else, that you're really not alone and we're, we're happy to support you in any way because you're making such a difference in the lives of our clients. So anything I can do to make it a little bit easier for you, I am more than happy to do. Thank you. And thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved this, Rena. Ah, oh, that's amazing. Well, it was a pleasure speaking with you, and it was incredibly inspiring. And I know our listeners will be fired up and ready to help. 
Special thanks to Spencer for her time and for sharing her expertise with us. To learn more about Jakeda and their fantastic work, you can visit their website at jakeda.org. That's J-C-A-D-A dot org. Additional episodes of the Pro Bono Happy Hour can be found on iTunes and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Good news! You've made the Pro Bono Happy Hour so successful that we're going to be expanding the PBI Podcast Network with a new feed. Want to learn more about the world of in-house pro bono? Stay tuned for our new CLO and pro bono series and listen to chief legal officers discuss the importance of pro bono and equal access to justice. To learn more about the Pro Bono Institute, visit our website at probonoinst.org. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this special episode and we'll see you next time on the Pro Bono Happy Hour.